0: Hello Rebels, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, this is the internet, so you can watch it or listen to it whenever you feel like. Tonight my guest is Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science. Now if you like listening to the show, then you're probably going to love watching it, but in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show, David Menzies' a fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra ten percent on a new Rebel News Plus membership by using the coupon code Podcast. When you subscribe, just go to rebelnews.com/slash subscribe. To become a member and please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts because those reviews are a great way to support rebel news without ever having to spend a dime and now please enjoy this free audio only version of my show The Canadian Association of Journalists is mad at the Alberta government's efforts to uncover the foreign-funded green network attacking Canadian oil and gas. And Friends of Science is digging down into the financial benefits the green movement reaps by abusing the charity tax structure here in Canada. I'm Sheila gunn Reid, and you're watching The gun Show. You may have missed it because not a lot of people care what they have to say, myself included, and I'm a journalist. But the CAJ, the Canadian Association of Journalists, have given the Alberta government a special award for not being transparent enough the left-wing activists at the caj don't like how the alberta government has structured the canadian energy center to keep the war room from being subject to freedom of information requests now the so-called war room is currently running down leads on the foreign funded green movement attacking canadian oil and gas and if i had to guess The CAJ is angry that their friends in the Green Movement can't get an advanced warning about whether or not there is an investigation into their activities. Now, I'm obviously pro-access to information. It's almost my whole entire job. And that's why I know the CAJ is completely insincere in their criticism. I have access to information investigations into the federal government that are older than the entire energy center. I get hammered with huge fees to get federal government documents that I'm legally entitled to. And it was the very same with Rachel Notley. Sometimes I had to wait years for files to come back to me, yet the CAJ, well, back then they were quiet as church mice. My guest tonight is Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science. And Friends of Science, too, have been investigating the abuse of the charity system by the Green Left. They've been doing it for years. Michelle joins me to talk about the CAJ, how green money matters, Michael Moore's new documentary that I obviously can't get enough of, and so much more. From her home in Calgary is my friend Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science. Michelle, I wanted to have you on today because there's a, the environmental movement never stops. They never miss an opportunity to jump on a crisis to push their bad ideas. Um, but first, let's talk about the thing that everybody's talking about right now um, Michael Moore's new documentary, Planet of the Humans. It's making all the right people mad. on the left. And they're so offended that one of their own is telling them these harsh truths, these inconvenient truths, if you will.
1: Yes. Well, it's quite funny to see Elizabeth May tweeting with the hashtag, why did Michael Moore? It's kind of like, well, you know, he is a, a fairly intelligent person and finally probably opened that Pandora's box and said, wow, renewables run on fossil fuels. How about that? we've been lied to, maybe people should know. So um, it's quite funny to see people desperately grasping, trying to make up any old excuse as to why the movie is horrible. Like they're saying things, well, this is really out of date. It was made back, well, that Aussie Jenner stuff was made in 2012, things have really changed. Well, they haven't, you know, as I think Michael Schellenberger explained. <clears throat> solar efficiency has increased by perhaps 8%, but it was so small to begin with, that you know, that's almost nothing. And the fact remains, all of these alternative forms of energy require fossil fuels, and they require them to run on the grid. So it's just really wasteful duplication to incorporate wind and solar in most cases on the grid. There are probably a few places like maybe California or a few spots in Africa or remote locations where it might be useful as off-grid help. But honestly, the industrial farms, no, <laughs> just a waste of taxpayer money.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny to see the left who have for so long been Michael Moore fans now calling for his censorship. Like, they're saying that this movie needs to be taken down because one time in his life, he's saying something they disagree with and just shows how intolerant they are of one of their own for just, I guess, leaving the reservation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, sad to see that that's their first reaction, too, rather than saying, well, let's have a discussion about this or... You know, I have this example here of my solar farm that works perfectly well or my fabulous wind farm um, and argue the evidence. You know, that's the thing that we usually try to get people to do is, okay, make an argument. You want to dispute something, but argue the evidence. Don't start calling people names and calling for them to be censored and denied uh, public access. Um, And and that is really sad to see that that's the first thing they jump to. Um, And also... You know, it's funny that people, uh, there's a big article in Rolling Stone by Bill McGibbon, And I mean, so he was exposed in that film as not being a grassroots guy from 350 or He's been funded for millions of dollars by all these big foundations. Many of them are Tar Sands campaign foundations as well. And, uh, you know, so he, he's not been a grassroots guy. Um, so when you get a million dollars from the Oak Foundation uh, to run off uh, fossil fuels, um that's not grassroots that seems to be some kind of either corporate or foundational effort to change public policy using the presumed grassroots front man as a um you know a lightning rod for the, for the people who follow him and yet you know he he can't even gracefully acknowledge that yeah okay sheepishly yes of course i have been funded by these guys <laughs> you know it, it's it's really sad to see and Sad to see the outrage against uh, Michael Moore. And, and it, it, nice also in this movie that he, Moore didn't feel the need to present his personality. You know, he's a very strong character. And he just let these two people, Jeff Gibbs and um, Ozzie Zenner, pretty much carry the whole movie with their, you know, open, questioning, rather naive and very humble approach to, wow, so these solar panels are running the stage show no you mean that oh it's plugged into the diesel
0: generator okay (laughs) (laughs) you know those moments of enlightenment are just beautiful yeah it reminded me of a documentary that uh someone we both know moriah pools made where he approached green energy with an open mind he said he's from the left and he kind of embraced it (laughs) and then the more he researched with an open mind the more he came to understand how he had been misled. Um, and I think it's very strange how the left are so pro-censorship on this when on the right, I want everybody to see um, <laughs> an inconvenient truth by mm-hmm. Al Gore. I want everybody to see it because I want everybody to see how wrong now, with hindsight being 2020 those predictions were and how wrong current predictions continue to be i think especially people on the left especially people in the environmentalist movement please go watch that movie now and tell me how right your side has been right yeah
1: no very true we just had what the 50th earth day and none of the predictions have come true (laughs) so you know, that's a pretty bad record. Not that we would want them to come true. They're all catastrophic. But instead of people celebrating Earth Day and saying, "Wow, this is fantastic. 50 years ago, we thought we'd all be done by now. And instead, we have a fabulous society. We have wonderful inventions. We've gone to the moon and back and all these other wonderful things. You know, nobody's celebrating the fact that bad things did not happen. (laughs) So that's pretty weird. Yeah, you know,
0: we, we should be celebrating the fact that we're not all dead instead of lamenting the fact that we, <laughs> we, we,
1: we aren't dead. We still We still only have 12 years. You know, that's what the IPCC said in uh, yep. 1989.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, uh, you sent me an article uh, by Ron Klutz, uh-huh. and uh, I thought it was a really great article. Um, it's called Woke Capitalists High on ESG. Why don't you take us through it? Uh, well, woke capitalism, high on ESG is about how
1: um, the environmental or climate movement has now come up with a new barrier for any corporation to leap over before they can get substantial institutional investment funding. <clears throat> and uh, that's environment, social and governance. And the problem is somebody like Pembina Institute comes up with all these kinds of questions of a company that are judged and evaluated rather subjectively by some other body, and based on that assessment, then an institutional investor decides to invest or not. Now, it used to be, that people would look at a a company and say, is this a good investment or not? Will people buy the product? Will it make money? Is it a profitable operation? Do the people running it have integrity? And what is the long-term view in the marketplace? And now they evaluate their investments on all kinds of ridiculous things like ESG. And really, you just have to look at the UNPRI, where um, the ESG guru is Al Gore. So that, that should tell you pretty much everything there. And then you can look at Alberta and find that the Pemina Institute is now a body that certifies ESG uh, qualifications. And that we have that in one of our recent videos, the one that's about tides asking people to shift their pension fund investments to green. Um, so <clears throat> you have to see that these people are contriving the market now. They're making it impossible to get investment funds without jumping through all kinds of ridiculous hoops um, that really do nothing for the bottom line for the company, but they do a lot for tying the company up with uh, impossible barriers and, and things that can not really be appealed. You know, like what happens if your board doesn't have the right mix of diversity (coughs) that these ESG people want? Well, what is the right mix? You know, can you have one person who happens to be of a certain religion, a certain gender, a uh, certain color, and uh, with a certain technical qualification, will that one person be a diverse, enough a diverse person? Or do you have to have four separate individuals with each of those characters to create your board diversity? And do those board members actually have the skill? To help the company. That's the whole idea of having a board is that you bring people in who have some diverse skill set in business to offer insight and helpful suggestions for how to make the company uh, be- run better and be more profitable.
0: Yeah, it's strange how uh, companies used to be beholden to their shareholders, <laughs> the people they were responsible for making profit for, and now they're responsible to these lobby groups who want diversity quotas, ethical investing quotas, which so often means um, green energy. And the people who are paying for it all are the shareholders who are not seeing return on their investment. Well, it's interesting because a big chunk of the shareholder base now is what we call uh,
1: activist investors. And uh, Peter Drucker, the management guru of the 70s, foresaw this back in the 70s that – Um, within the next 20 years or so, um, uh, pension fund socialism would come to North America, meaning that pension funds would become the primary owners of corporations. And that has happened. But that would be probably just fine, except the UNPRI has turned them all into activist investors. And the UNPRI requires these institutional investors to sign on to agreements that are voluntary to begin with. But if you volunteer and sign on, then you have to comply or explain. So <clears throat> now you have this group think and group pressure to invest in things that are green and sustainable. And, uh, you know, those definitions are pretty crazy, as we saw in Michael Moore's film. You know, people claiming, oh, we're investing in sustainable biomass, all these wood pellets. Sure you are. You know, they're being processed by coal, they're, um, being shipped around the world they're making more pollution than ever and the front man for it is funded by a green billionaire in the back to push his policy to make his investment richer so um you know it's really getting very difficult for companies to just do business for business sake
0: yeah they end up entangled in all these other issues that like you say are are generally not good for business and good for the bottom line now on the topic of money, last time you were on the show, we never got around to talking about it, um, uh, Robert Lyman's report published at Friends of Science called Money Matters, the E-N-G-O political advantage. Walk us through that one. Well,
1: basically, <clears throat> Robert Lyman uh, went through the uh, CRA records of all of the 40 top ENGOs in Canada. And he found that between 2000 and 2018, they had 18 times the revenues of all the political parties in Canada and 27 times the revenues of the free market think tanks, places like the Fraser Institute and Frontier and groups like that. So the purpose of the exercise was to show that these groups are political bee moths now. Um, We have additional reports showing that – Many times they're uh, getting tax subsidies because they're most of them are federally registered charities, so that money is not going into the tax pool. Then they get grants from the government, and then they often grant back to a political party some of the money that they have, which that money would, you know, actually came from taxpayers. <laughs> so they're uh, diverting um, public funds in a way to um, causes that are not charitable. Um, and these are, have very, very serious complications for Canadian society because, you know, again, if you look at these big ngos they also usually have extremely large social media networks. So they're able to mobilize large groups of the population, whether it be voting, whether it be um, point and click email campaigns, But the ordinary citizen doesn't have that. And the taxpayers are actually funding these guys to do projects that are against all taxpayers' interests. And we've seen that with uh, another report that Robert did, Prosperity Forgone, where in two years, Canada has sloughed off $100 billion in investment. Um, And many more billions before that, of course, with the Tar Sands Campaign. But that $100 billion... um, you know, couldn't we have used that right now in the COVID-19 crisis? Now we're racking up bills that we can't pay for. Um, and all of these policies that sent those uh, industries packing came from these ENGOs.
0: It uh, sounds a lot like a money laundering racket, well, <laughs> don't, yes. don't you think? Yes, I would say probably in some circumstances it is exactly that. Yeah. Um, now, you just brought up COVID-19. What a great segue. Um, I sent you an article um, earlier today. Uh, it's published by Reuters, like an actual newswire service. Uh-huh. Um, they've published a, an opinion piece by Sapora Berman, um, who was an employee of the NDP government for a while here in Alberta, and she her article makes the case for seizing upon the opportunity of the COVID-19 crisis and the catastrophe in the economy to use this moment in time to basically phase out oil and gas, phase out fossil fuels altogether, and direct bailout dollars to green energy and basically make that the future of the Canadian economy.
1: Well, let's be blunt. Sapora Berman is an idiot. Everything... (laughs) Everything that is made in this world is made with fossil fuels. If you want to make a wind turbine, you need uh, thousands of tons of coal and natural gas and oil to make and install a wind turbine to run a wind or solar farm. You need to have a natural gas plant backing it up 100 percent of the time. Um, And maybe not if you're in Norway, or Sweden, or France, where you have nuclear or hydro, but certainly any other part of the world, definitely Canada, that's what you need. And, uh, you know, Thomas Reuters is also a very, uh, how shall we call it, climate organization. They run climate change seminars for journalists in the summer, but it's not actually about learning about science, it's just learning about the propaganda of climate catastrophe. So, Zipporah Berman is somebody who should be taken to task by the media and by officials who should ask her to come and explain exactly how society would operate, because as we saw again with Michael Moore's film, he shows that every form of alternative energy runs off fossil fuels and is made by lots of fossil fuels. Instead of listening to Zipporah Berman, we should be listening to Professor Emeritus Václav Smil of the University of Winnipeg, who has done... 40 books or more on energy. And he's very clear about the fact that you cannot run a city on solar panels, even if they're all over your your house, because you just need, you know, nighttime to fall and you have no power. And um, you know, the power grid itself is very complex. People don't quite understand how it works. And like Elizabeth May is saying, oh, you know, in her uh, rebuttal to Michael Moore, oh, well, we can store the power that's made from the wind. On the grid well no you can't it's a live system it's running all the time if there's not enough room on the grid you have to spill it into another province or territory which is what happens in Ontario all the time and Ontario taxpayers pay hundreds of millions of dollars every year for energy from wind that they're not using that they have to spill over the border and give away to people in the United States so I think that Sapora Berman should really be called to task. And I wish that people like the Canadian Association of Journalists would call her out and ask her, explain to us how this is going to work and explain it in technical detail and give us a cost-benefit analysis. We want this due diligence. We don't want any more of these lip-flapping ENGOs bandwagoning green energy when it doesn't work, period.
0: Well, and... and- just to point out how ridiculous um, Berman is, she says it's time for a fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty. She wants fossil fuels, life-saving fossil fuels, the kind that are currently reliably running ventilators in New York City right now. She wants them treated as though they are nuclear missiles, something that could destroy, the earth really that's how she wants fossil fuels treated that's how crazy she is well
1: yes uh, she began this at cop 25 actually she that was where she began her campaign for the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty and as you say it is ridiculous because um everything in the world runs on fossil fuels robert lyman is actually just completing another report we should have it out this week uh where he shows that i don't know something like 80% 80% of the world runs on fossil fuels, 10 or 20% on nuclear, 10 on hydro, you know, and then <laughs> whatever, uh, very very small percentage. I think 4% of the world's energy is generated by by renewables. Um, and if you're going to make more renewables, you're going to need way more fossil fuels, way way more fossil
0: fuels. So it's a ridiculous statement that she's making. Now, you brought up the Canadian Association of Journalists, and I'm glad you did, um, because they have just, I guess on April 28th, um, nobody noticed because nobody cares what the Canadian Association of Journalists does. I know I don't. Every time I needed uh, an advocacy group behind me when I'm fighting for freedom, these people are just, there's a cloud of dust where they were standing. Um, They've given the government of Alberta the 2019 recipient of the Code of Silence Award for Outstanding Achievement in Government Secrecy in the provincial category. That's weird because I didn't hear from these guys when Rachel Notley used an armed sheriff to kick me out of a press conference, but I'll continue. The award is given annually by the Canadian Association of Journalists, Centre for Free Expression at Ryerson, (laughs) Ryerson of all places, Uh, News Media Canada and Canadian Journalists for Free Expression to call public attention to governments, government departments and agencies that put extra effort into denying public access to government in information to which the public has a right under access to information and uh, they said that the alberta government created the canadian energy center and made all of its internal operations exempt from freedom of information legislation ensuring there would be no transparency or public right to know what it is doing look fine i think the canadian energy center should have been subject to foip legislation but it, is this the worst thing that a government in Canada is doing to attack journalistic freedom or to create a cone of silence. Absolutely not. But these journalist organizations only punch left or sorry, only punch right. They never punch left. And they seem to always be attacking uh, anything to do with fossil fuels all the time. Even these free expression organizations. It's very bizarre. Well, that's you know the whole
1: uh, press release from them was also very strange because they claimed that the Tar sands campaign, which is one of their big uh, issues there, that you know the Tar sands campaign information could not be foiped, um, they claim that it's a conspiracy theory anyway. When you know any person can go online to corporate ethics website and under Michael Mark's bio, you can see that he, Ran the cor- the Tar Sands campaign, um, and uh, he ran about. Uh, he strategized about a hundred different groups around the world: Canada, U.S., EU. Um, that sounds like a campaign against uh, a particular industry, doesn't it? There's the uh, International Funders of Indigenous People, where he gives a talk about. How he and he is coordinating all the ENGOs and First Nations people to block Keystone XL with the intention of shutting down the oil sands. That sounds like a green trade war. Um, I'm not sure that you want every Tom Dick and Harry foiping the information that an investigation, which effectively might end up as a criminal investigation. I don't know. Should that be foiped or should it be uh, you know brought to court at some point or uh, some other kind of action? I don't know what the government might have in mind. Um, but obviously these people can't use Google. You know, they're journalists. <laughs> these are journalists who for the past over a decade could have been covering this story and exposing it as it went along. Where were they? You know, because Vivian Krause found the information. I found the information. Ezra found the information. Yeah. CFACT found the information. Um, CounterPoint found the information. Lots of people out there have found the tar sands campaign but this whole group of canadian association of journalists were unable to use google and find out if it's a real thing or not
0: yeah it's- and i'm i'm okay. to believe these people are un- are going to look at the uh information they may find through an unbiased lens like look I'm conservative. I'm pro-fossil fuel. Everybody knows that about me. I'm not pretending to be otherwise. But um, these guys, they say that they are unbiased, straight journalists, and yet they wrote this. In June 2019, <laughs> Kenny followed through on a campaign promise to create an energy war room to counter what the government claims is a conspiracy by foreign-funded interests to attack the province's energy industry. But critics say the this- Theory behind that conspiracy has been debunked. Instead, they say the war room, which has a $30 million annual budget, I think that's been substantially cut, by the way, yeah. is an attempt to silence those who would tell the truth about Alberta's <laughs> oil patch and its contribution to the existential threat of global climate change. Oh, we're done. We're not done being crazy because there's more. In response to these developments, Amnesty International has expressed, quote, deep concern that the war room will, quote, undermine and violate a range of Albertans, uh, sorry, Alberta's human rights obligations, as well as create a, quote, climate of hostility towards environmental human rights defenders, exposing them to intimidation and threats, including threats of violence oh my gosh well you know there are some people who i won't tweet
1: anymore because i'm afraid that they're associated with extinction rebellion and they might just go and glue themselves to someone's door right so speaking of threats um, but um, what are they saying here amnesty international has been funded by the climate works uh, uh, associate climate works is behind a very large global campaign called Design to Win, where they funded ENGOs around the world to push for their policies of carbon pricing, renewables, and cap and trade. Um, and one of those partners, and a partner in the Tar Sands campaign, is the Oak Foundation, which gave Amnesty International something like $3.5 million. Um, the Oak Foundation gave Climate Work $75 million. Um, they gave 350 org At least a million dollars. They gave the Pemina Institute half a million dollars. They gave them actually more than that, but that's the one I can remember off the top of my head 442,000, something or other. Anyway, the point being that there's lots and lots of big money rolling around and falling in the pockets of these. People who claim to be advocates for human rights. What about the human rights of the oil and gas and oil sands workers in Alberta? Of the coal workers in Alberta? What about the rights of these people whose jobs have been destroyed, their communities have been destroyed? Many times they've lost their homes. They're at the food bank. These are hardworking people. They're decent people, and they are being ruined by these NGOs who are self-righteous virtue signaling. Um, foreign-funded saboteurs. So somebody should look into that. And I hope that the war room is successful in finding whatever they can find on it, because the things I found are pretty disgusting. Um, You know, Greenpeace, and I think it was uh, 2009, got a grant from the Oak Foundation. And the mandate of that grant was that they would turn members of parliament against the oil sands and drive investors out of the oil sands by 2012. And they pretty much succeeded by 2014. So um, this is a very serious issue. This is the economy of the country of Canada and the economy of the province of Alberta and the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. So what about those human rights, Amnesty? What about them?
0: Well, and we saw how Albertans deal with environmentalists hijacking our economy when those good old Alberta boys took down uh, a rail blockade west of Edmonton a couple of months ago. They did it uh, peacefully. They did it, uh, you know what, quite frankly, A lot more good-natured than I would have done it. They dealt with abuse. One of them was even assaulted. Uh, They were being called names. They were happy warriors. Uh, Those are apparently the human rights violators who are creating a climate of hostility towards environmental human rights defenders here in Alberta. Those guys out west of Edmonton taking down a rail blockade with a smile on their faces. How dare amnesty? say those things about Albertans?
1: Well, you know, they're living in another cloud um, and they get their money from rich foundations and we have to work for it. So, uh, you know, I have to say I'm always in favor of rule of law, but it's pretty surprising that the police couldn't do anything about those blockades. And one has to wonder, you know, when you look at the international funders of indigenous people, that report that I just mentioned, the conference that they had, when there's clearly a stated um, open campaign to tie um, environmental groups and activists and First Nations activists together for a specific purpose to destroy the economy, somebody should be looking into that in terms of uh, civil and criminal issues. Uh, Where is that? You know, why, why were the police not clearing the line? Why were Alberta boys doing that?
0: Uh, I think the fact that the environmental movement is so scared of the Alberta government digging into them that they've elicited help um, from Amnesty International tells me there's something there, there, if you know what I mean. And so I, I, I hope, The Alberta government keeps digging, and I hope everybody else does too, because a lot of work has been done by citizen journalists like yourself on this issue. Um, Michelle, um, I know that you have a scratchy throat, (laughs) and you've been talking for a half an hour. Um, I want to give people a chance to um, know where to find you and know how they can support the work that you do at Friends of Science to sort of digest these bigger issues into layman's terms. (laughs) Speaking of
1: scratchy terms, um, I just <laughs> have COVID 19. Um, just before we do that, I would like sure. to bring up back, you know, a lot of people are unaware that the IMF. Yes, please. Sorry. Go ahead. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and Mark Carney, and uh, all these big banksters who years ago um, and insurance companies, years ago, they had pandemic as number one on the list of potential risks in the world. Um, That was in 2008. By 2019, climate change had become the number one issue on the uh, list, okay? So these people failed us. If you were in a job and you made that big of a miss, you would be kicked out on the street. You'd never get a job again. But no, all these people have suddenly been reincarnated as green activists. This is how we're gonna recover from the pandemic that we forgot to keep on our list. Uh, we're going to use climate change as a green recovery tool. So, you know, unfortunately these people have lots of money and power and they're going to try and tie climate to every aspect of of recovery from COVID-19, which will in fact hinder recovery and will be as damaging as everything that we've seen so far where wind and solar and carbon taxes send people into a spiral of uh, debt and poverty, heat or eat poverty. And in fact, the head of the IMF, I believe, uh, I can't remember her name, um, was saying that, you know, how will governments pay for this? And she said, well, you know, the good thing is there's a carbon tax. And if you have a carbon tax, then you can pay for recovery. So just as Bloomberg published a couple of years ago that perhaps carbon taxes could be between $20 to $27,000 a ton, you know, watch for that. This is one reason why we must not have a carbon tax and certainly not a global carbon tax law.
0: Oh, these people, they never miss an opportunity, do they? They see every crisis, every catastrophe as some kind of opportunity to shove their bad ideas down the throats of the public. Um, now, getting back to yes. how people support uh, you, how oh, they find cool. you.
1: Uh, people can go online to uh, friendsofscience.org. Uh, that's our main website there's a membership and donate button up in the corner and if you join as a member then you'll get our updates on um, friends of science extracts which is a roundup of news from around the world on the climate-related gene scene, usually on policy and also cli which is a roundup of recent peer-reviewed and academic publications on climate um, And all of our reports and our press releases as well. We have a blog. Uh, We also are on Facebook. We're on Twitter and our YouTube channel where we have many popular videos. Um, And um, also our Instagram page, which is kind of new, but it's there. And LinkedIn. So, you know, join in the conversation. We don't expect you to agree. We don't mind if you disagree. Let's talk.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? I cannot recommend your YouTube channel enough, um, for someone who wants, um, complicated subjects broken down into digestible parts and in a way that you can understand that would apply to your everyday life. Your YouTube channel does that beautifully. And you've got some videos that have gone pretty viral over there. So I think that's great. Uh, Michelle, thanks for coming on the show. Um, We'll talk again very, very soon. I can't wait for us all to get haircuts when this is all
1: over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sheila. And uh, keep up the good work. We will. You too. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Green Movement is scared. The jig is up. People are catching on to not only the scam that green energy is, but the scam of green charities abusing the tax credit they receive here in Canada to then turn around and attack Canadian industries. That's why they're so desperate to censor anybody who speaks out and speaks the truth about them. They want to censor Michael Moore now. They'd love to censor Michelle Sterling. They would absolutely love to censor me, but they'd also love to censor you at home. They'd love to control the internet so that you can never have access to information that debunks these green lies. And that's why we have to stand up against calls for censorship wherever we find them. Because these calls for censorship, they're pernicious and they spread to all aspects of your life. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay healthy. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.